Plus, on our agriculture tours, you're getting a chance to attend the Alaska State Fair. You'll visit the Matanuska Valley Agriculture Center and get up close with a real muskox. Find details today at fabulousfarmbabe.net, right there on the homepage. Or better yet, pick up the phone and call Holiday Vacations, voted best in Alaska, toll free, 800 826 2266. That's 800-826-2266. This is the Farm Report with Pam Young. Well, if I want to put a positive spin on the weather this morning, I'm going to call it pretty and quiet. If you're out early this morning, you're going to notice how that snow really insulates you from any road noise. Unfortunately, it can also insulate your tires from complete traction with the road. Five minutes after 5 o'clock, it's a Tuesday morning, February 12th. I'm Farm Director Pam Yankee, and we're all under a winter storm warning till midnight tonight. Uh, The snow that we've picked up isn't going to end. In fact, we could see another 2 to 5 inches of snow likely. Some storm totals could reach as much as 11 inches by tonight. Most of that north and west of Madison. Keep an eye out because there's a possibility of freezing drizzle or light freezing rain little bit later today. So it's going to be a tricky Tuesday for sure. And then the winds are going to kick up. Could gust as high as 25 miles an hour. So blowing and drifting, a real possibility as the day wears on. 30 is our expected high today. So uh, not exactly all that cold, but it is a perfect snowmaker because of that. Tonight, down to 14 degrees. Tomorrow, partly sunny, a little colder, high around 26. For Thursday, mostly cloudy, a little milder, 33 are expected high, but with that uh, Thursday forecast, we could see light snow or freezing drizzle by Thursday afternoon. We'll talk weather details with the guy that knows it, Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist, in about 15 minutes. Also up before 6 o'clock, chatting with our friend Bryce Knorr. Listen, I want you to stop for a minute and think back 10 years. Did you have a cell phone? What did the cell phone look like? What could it do? Did you have a computer? The reason I'm pointing this out is look how fast technology changes. Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Yankee here to tell you the story of the University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine and its clinic. They are on the cutting-edge research and use state-of-the-art technology. But guess what? You're working with a horse, a cow, a dog, a cat. The x-ray equipment, the CAT scan equipment, it takes up space. So in order for the UW School of Veterinary Medicine to continue to be a world-class research and treatment facility, they need more space. Find out more about the UW School of Veterinary Medicine, how it's saving lives and serving Wisconsin, and how you can get involved. Go to animalsneedheroes2.com. Again, animalsneedheroes2.com. You won't regret it. When a company only does business in Wisconsin, that's Wisconsin Strong. When their employees live where you live, that's Wisconsin Strong. When they support the local community by giving back, that's Wisconsin Strong. When your insurance premiums stay here, that's keeping Wisconsin Strong. Rural Mutual has been voted one of the top 50 insurance companies in the nation for auto, home, business, and farm insurance for the 10th year in a row. Their local agents and local employees make us Wisconsin Strong. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more. As farmers make decisions about their crops, what's going to be going in the ground in 2019? We always know it's corn and it's soybeans, maybe some wheat, maybe uh, reseeding some alfalfa. But in the last year or two, a lot of excitement, for lack of a better word, about hemp. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And growing hemp, Pam, is still, for many, 
kind of a, a mystery, an unknown quantity, isn't it? Boy, that is for sure, Bob. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And trying to get your arm not just around the crop and how it grows, but the marketing, the processing. Where is the value of Wisconsin hemp? Well, one gentleman that is watching this industry develop is named Steve Atchison. He is one of the founders of the South Central Wisconsin Hemp Cooperative. He says he's watched as commercial outlets come into Wisconsin selling the product, selling the technology. But is the farmer finding profit in this process? That's his goal with the South Central Wisconsin Hemp Cooperative. And he says right now they are trying to bring people together to make sure that Wisconsin farmers keep that profit. Steve started as a dairy kid and comes to his interest in hemp through the military. So I grew up on a small dairy farm uh, near Campbellsport, Wisconsin, when I was a kid. And uh, jumped forward, I went in the military after that. I was in the Army for five years. I deployed to Sutter City, Iraq in 2005, and, and that really changed my entire outlook on life. And I feel for, for the better. Uh, you got to go through some tough things to get to the other side of it. But when I came home, uh, I had some injuries, and that led to me getting out of the Army and came back to Wisconsin, got an engineering degree from Platteville, but just really felt like that wasn't where I needed to be. And I came across a CSA farm uh, and volunteered a couple days, and it was like a light switch went off. It was like, wow, I can apply this engineering degree to farming again. And once I got back on the farm and realized how much healing potential there was for me as a veteran to come home and, and assimilate back into this culture, if you will, that we have is not an easy thing for a lot of vets. And when they get out of the military, a lot of them feel like they don't have a purpose anymore and don't have that camaraderie anymore and that community of support. And it's true. Like we don't, we wave the flag. We do all these things that say we support veterans, but why do we have a 20 plus veteran suicide rate, which isn't even as high as the farmer suicide rate in Wisconsin. So, so I got to see where the veteran issues intersected with agricultural issues. And so that's really where I try to focus my advocacy now. Um, I, I ran a 140 member CSA farm with my partner, Steph, and we did wholesale and farmer's markets. And it was, you know, a hundred hour a week yeah. certified organic vegetable operations. So it was no joke. And then in 2016, I had my third back surgery uh, from a service connected injury, which kind of forced me to step back and reevaluate, you know, physically, what am I capable of doing mentally? What can I handle? And that, that kind of opened up um, my eyes to the potential for, for hemp um, in Wisconsin. And luckily, we have a legal framework already, but they legalized it federally um, with the 2018 Farm Bill. So that is just basically went from having nothing to having a completely new crop that farmers can grow to add profitability. And so I do a lot of work with our farmers union. And within that framework, we're trying to organize our members who are interested in growing hemp to form cooperatively, kind of regionally within the state. Uh, there's a lot of uh, bad actors coming into the state from out of, out of town, promising farmers a lot right now. And I think most of us who who see what's happened in other states realize that we need to kind of slow down and figure this out before we tell farmers to jump in head first. And so that's what we're trying to do right now um, is we're, we're, we're well into the process of forming a hemp cooperative within South Central Wisconsin. So that would include Rock, Dane, Iowa, Grant, or not Grant, I'm sorry, Rock, Dane, Iowa, Green, and Lafayette counties, mm-hmm. uh, which cor- correlates with our South Central Farmers Union chapter pretty well. Um, we, we went into Dane County a little bit, but that's just because there's a lot of folks there. But 
Uh, so that's really what myself and another one of our Farmers Union members, F.L. Morris, uh, who's our vice president of our chapter, are, are spearheading right now. And with that comes its own unique uh, challenges because it's a big industry. Yeah. It's a diverse industry. How are you trying to segment or channel where you put all the emphasis, Steve? And that's actually been the most of the conversations that F.L. and I have. You know, when we first started, we had probably 30 things on our list of, like, choke points in this industry what are farmers running up against like they can grow it but can they dry it can they harvest it can they process it so it's identifying these choke points and then once we identified choke points it was reaching out to other farmers other industry folk to figure out what is already where there's already work being done and where maybe it makes most sense for us to leave that up to industry folks who are already doing it and and figuring out like really just scaling down at every every idea it was like scaling it down to the most local laser focus level that we could yeah. and so this first year um and i think the crux of what our co-op will do is is research um and so the good thing about the farm bill is it opened up a lot of grant funding opportunities for the first time for hemp the last year even though we had a legal framework in wisconsin there was no federal grant money now there is so we're trying to be some of the first folks outreaching to the universities i'm working with the va to try to run a veteran internship program as well um, but really the the, the co-op itself would like to focus on research and then collaborative uh, buying of seeds and clones and nutrients if needed and then also collaborative marketing uh, and that's first year goals um, we, we realize there are a lot of other choke points along the way um, there's harvesting needs there's definitely drying needs mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who grew hundreds of acres of hemp last year and have literally nowhere to dry it. And hemp isn't something like tobacco you can just hang up in your in your very passive hoop house to dry. You need very active uh, drying methods. Really? Yeah, so you're talking fans and dehumidifiers, and your processor wants it from 20-some percent in the field to 6% water content within days. So um, there's other methods for different markets, but, you know, I don't want to get too into the weeds on, no yeah. pun intended. Um, but so so really it was it was taking all these big ideas that all need their their focus no doubt but then coming to the realization that we're just a really small like two person endeavor at this point with no money uh and, and we're getting there all that will come in good time but but it's really just hitting these kind of low hanging fruit sure. at at this first year what do you think Farmers should ask themselves, or anybody that's thinking about getting a permit for 2019, to your point, a lot of people had a learning lesson in 2018 and walked away with zero as far as return on investment, right? What should they be asking themselves if they're all gung-ho 2019? Because you've already vetted a lot of those uh, questions. Well, first, what's your own experience growing? I think that what happened last year was that a lot of folks who who thought it would be this magic crop just jumped into it without even knowing how to start a seed and it's not a weed in the sense that you can just play johnny Appleseed and throw it in a vacant vacant lot and expect to be profitable you have to manage it like you would manage any other any other crop on your farm um you know if you're growing hemp in the field you got to imagine you're growing like a canola oil and all the nutrients and management that go along with that if you're growing for cbd I mean, if you don't have experience growing high-quality tomatoes, per se, or very diverse vegetables, uh, especially organic, because that's what the industry is clamoring for, is organic. So if you're a conventional row crop farmer, you need to really think hard before you transition. If you grew soybeans last year, you will not have good luck growing hemp this year, period. Uh, there's just a lot of disease overlap that goes on. So these are all considerations that, that farmers need to make. Um, 
you know, besides just the profitability of the crop. Like on paper, yes, this crop looks very attractive right now. You're talking $50,000 plus an acre. If you know what you're doing, if you don't know what you're doing, you're looking at about a $10,000 a loss per acre. Uh, so, so really research not just your grower methods and what you're capable of and your equipment, but also what are you going to do with it after you grow it? That is the biggest choke point right now uh, is, is both harvesting, drying, and processing. Um, and, you know, that's just in the CBD side of it. I'm not talking about grain or fiber, which have even more choke points. Even though CBD is the least known, it's actually got the most available processing. We don't have decorticators industrial scope here. You've got to go to Nebraska or Kentucky for that. We don't have big big time grain dryers here for hemp seed like they do other places so really just know not just what you want to do to grow it but how you're going to get it off your farm and actually make profit off of that and that's what the co-op is trying to do it's it's realizing that we we can do this better internally farmer producer led than having somebody top down with private investment coming out of state promising us these big ideas without being able to deliver on that so i'm always a fan of under promising and over delivering than coming in with these big numbers and promises and then leaving the farmer to do it all themselves. But you are, you're a young man, and you feel that this could be a revitalization absolutely. for young guys, as you said, veterans possibly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm connected with a number of veteran entities, the Veteran Farmer Coalition, uh, uh, some other online more social support type groups around cannabis. And... Absolutely. The community support that comes with a crop like this is undeniable. I think that it has a whole different kind of mindset, especially on the CBD side of collaborativeness. And this is for medicine. We want to grow this in a healthy, organic, revitalized, you know, or, or, or uh, renewable way, if you will, sustainable way. So that alone kind of breeds a healing environment for veterans more so than say like, you know, I don't want a single, I don't, I'm, I'm for all kinds of farming, and so I'm not trying to be anti any kind of farming, but there are different methods of farming that lend better to healing environments for vets than others. His name is Steve Atchison, and he is part of a brand new cooperative in Wisconsin, the South Central Wisconsin Hemp Cooperative. He's entertaining conversations and engaging with growers and processors all across the state. You can find out more on their website, Hemp. Dot com. That's S-C-W-I-Hemp.com. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Because farm is in our name, you know that we care about the health and well-being of your animals. We carry an unbeatable selection of superior quality bulk feed, as well as probiotics, dewormers, buckets, blankets, bedding, and more. Everything you need to keep your animals healthy and feeling their best. Right now, Blaine's Farm and Fleet take $5 off all Lifeline Colostrum products. Help promote good health in calves with ProBios Bovine Gel, a 60-gram tube, just $6.99. And stock up on all Flex ear tags for your livestock. They're buy two, get one free. Press for time, use our drive through service, and leave the heavy lifting to us. Just drive up, place your order, and we'll have you loaded up and on your way in no time. Also at Blaine's Farm and Fleet this week, check out this great doorbuster deal. Stock up on Easy Heat 40-pound premium wood pellets, just $3.79 a bag. 
That's genuine value from Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. Celebrating 100 years, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization of people just like you and me who care about keeping agriculture strong. Joining the Farm Bureau can also qualify you for a number of money-saving member benefits that include discounts on insurance, travel, even equipment. Farm Bureau proud for 100 years. Become a member today at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. As the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, Rural Mutual is excited to announce the Rural Mutual Farm Dividend Program, the first of its kind in the state. They know how hard you work, so they want to reward you. Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program rewards farmers for their loyalty and dedication with up to a 5% dividend. And since Rural Mutual only does business in Wisconsin, premiums paid here stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. To learn more about Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program and how you may qualify, please contact a rural agent or visit RuralMutual.com. Pam Yonke is the best thing to happen to farming since pipeline milking, and she didn't make us say that. This is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. 522 now on a Tuesday morning. Plenty of snow out there. I think they just said uh, five inches so far in the Madison area. Let's find out what else is coming. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live via Skype. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's manageable outside as far as temperatures this morning, Stu. Basically, everybody in our listing area right around 27 degrees, but I'm guessing that's exactly why we are looking at measurable snow today, huh? That's right. We still have more snow around, Pam. I think we're going to see this low pressure move from eastern Illinois up to eastern lower Michigan, keeping snow all around most of Wisconsin. We've dried out a bit in the far southwest, but there's still snow to fall. Additional accumulating snow expected today. In fact, the winter storm morning in effect until midnight so that snow is going to stick around. I'll have forecast details right after this. I'm Jonathan Gibbs. I'm a fourth-generation farmer. What I would want someone to know about farming, I have tractors that are more sophisticated than some of our early space vehicles. For me, it's to put a crop in the field, apply inputs, and take a crop out of the field, try to do it with the smallest footprint on, on where I'm farming to do it the best I can. This motivates me to get out of bed. To watch Jonathan's story, visit BadgerBean.com. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals. We know how challenging and rewarding farming and this way of life can be. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. We grew up here, and many of us are farm kids through and through. So whether you have one acre or a thousand. Whether you're building a house or a legacy. Your friends, family, and neighbors at Compere Financial have your back. And And we're we're ready ready to to champion champion rural together. together. Learn more at Compere.com. Compere Financial, equal credit opportunity lender. All right, give me that forecast, Stu. All right, more clouds and snow today, Pam. I'd say in La Crosse area, it could be another three to five. La Crosse and Mauston, maybe another one to three, pushing four from Madison up toward Fond du Lac and, and Oshkosh. will be in the upper 20s, almost 30 today. Northeast winds, five to 15, become northwest, a bit more gusty this afternoon. Clouds and snow ending in the night. We drop into the teens. Northwest winds, eight to 18 and gusty. And then some sun breaks out for Wednesday. Mid-20s, I'd expect. 
Clouds, a little light snow, maybe even a bit of rain late in the day. Thursday, Pam, low 30s, and then we cool to the teens for the rest of the week. Eee, all right, thanks to 27 in La Crosse, in Mauston, Madison, Fond du Lac, and Oshkosh, at least according to the weather information that I'm seeing. Coming up after 5.30, I wonder if it's snowing in the Windy City. That's where Bryce Knorr is this morning, and he'll be joining us live for a market update before we hit 6 o'clock. It's 5.25 now. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Darren College, a former NFL Super Bowl champion, signed the most important contract of his life to serve in the Army National Guard. The National Guard for me was a perfect fit. I've had a lot of military in my family. It's a big part of what uh, my family's done for a long time. I'm, I want to go out there and make a difference. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I didn't find that in the normal day-to-day life. I didn't find that working behind a desk. I realized being hands-on and being a soldier was something that would keep me active, keep me outside, keep me in the, that team environment that I craved and that I needed so much. And then the opportunity to serve my community and serve my country was just like, on the cake. I wanted to be in Boise, Idaho. I wanted to be home. The National Guard gave me the opportunity to stay right where I was, serve my country and my community, and it was the best of both worlds. I grew up flying bush planes in Alaska with my dad. I was fortunate enough to get my pilot's license. I wanted to be in helicopters. I wanted to be a crew chief. The Army National Guard gave me a chance to fly helicopters now instead of fixed-wing aircraft. To learn how to be part of the Army National Guard, log on to NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Army National Guard. Aired by the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association and this station. Hi, Mark Ganser here. Ganser has the answer. Trusted in the Madison area for over eight decades, let us show you why. We only carry Infinity fiberglass windows from Marvin, windows that can endure our Wisconsin weather, not vinyl. Mark, you mean the plastic windows with the wood grain stickers? Yes, Stacy. vinyl windows will jam, warp, crack, and fade over time. Ganser Company offers free in-home estimates. Ask about our financing options today. Visit our website at gansercompany.com or stop by the showroom off the Beltline near Todd Drive. Are you looking to remodel your bathroom? Don't want it to go on forever? If you hate cleaning your shower or bath, look no further than Bath Planet from Ganser. The only bath system backed by the good housekeeping seal of approval. Baths redone in only a few days. Schedule your free in-home consultation now or stop into our beautiful showroom on the Beltline. Let our designers design the bath of your dreams. Answer. That's the answer. I had my daughter six years ago. So I gained about 80 pounds with her and pretty much lost it all. But I had the loose skin on my stomach that just would not go away no matter what I tried. Exercising, dieting. I had heard about Dr. Bartell. He had his own facility. It was kind of all-in-one. You don't have to go to a hospital. He seemed like the best option that was out there. Experience does matter, especially when it comes to surgical body recontouring. Dr. Thomas Bartell focuses his practice exclusively on below-the-neckline cosmetic surgery procedures. It's all he does. My procedure looked amazing. My stomach looked completely flat, and I was like a teenager again. And It was just amazing. I would recommend Dr. Bartell to anybody who asks me who did my procedure. Call Dr. Thomas Bartell to schedule a free consultation. And to see actual before and after results, go to his website, drbartell.com. We decided we wanted to get married and for that you need a ring. So when I thought about it, I knew the only place I wanted to go was our family jeweler. And I felt that was important for her. I know Chalmers always does great custom design. I knew exactly what I wanted, and I wanted it 
the way Chalmers did it. They know how to make a customer feel like the only customer they've ever had. I was blown away. It was better than what I had originally had in my head. It was beautiful, and I couldn't stop looking at it. And even now, I still look at my hand and smile. She loves her engagement ring. The next step is we're going back to Chalmers and having them customize our wedding bands. For now, we're really enjoying what they did with the engagement ring. When my friends see it, they all gasp. (laughs) They think it's gorgeous. And Madison. I got a $5,000 signing bonus to join Santa Max. It was a no-brainer. I'm a CDL Class A truck driver for Santa Max. Home every day and no weekends. Santa Max is hiring CDL Class A truck drivers with experience to join the DeForest Third Shift team. Quarterly bonuses and a $5,000 signing bonus. Great pay, great company, and a $5,000 signing bonus. I made the move to Santa Max. It was a no-brainer. Apply online at SantaMax.com. S-A-N-I Max. Apply at SantaMax.com. That ugly shirt you got for your birthday dilemma. Hang it in the closet for the rest of its miserable existence, or toss it. Wear it to Johnny's Lounge in Beaver Dam for a who-gives-a-rat night on the town. Burgers, oozing juices, and sauces from the rim will dribble right off your chin onto your, well, you can connect the dots. Ruin your shirt at Johnny's Lounge at Beaver Dam. Visit for the food and fun. Leave with a sizable smile and a bulging belt line. Your takeaways on Saturday. Uh, I said this to Evo earlier. I mean, like, you always root for your team to win, and you always are disappointed when they lost. But in the grand scheme of things, when, when you look at how it's a 30-plus game season and there's ebbs and flows, tough to really be too hard on the Badgers for what happened Saturday in Ann Arbor. Yeah. I mean, like we were talking about, they Michigan's won 20-some in a row or something like that. Now 21, I think, in a row at Chrysler Arena. Tough place to play. Um, it's not like... You did horrible. Uh, you shot 40% from the field, 33% of three-pointers. Uh, I mean, over two from the free-throw line. I mean, that's not saying much. I mean, you need to get to the free-throw line. I don't understand how this team can't do that. It, it Literally, they have stopped being able to get to the free-throw line. There's some possessions on, like, just drive. Yeah. Go attack the rack. And it's like Go they'd it. rather just put up a three than even – Try. I mean, and I understand the NBA has moved that way, but those guys also are making all of those free uh, three threes. So, uh, I mean, I, I'd like to see the swing become more of the true swing, especially with Great a team podcast, like this. By the way, yeah, swing. and I'd like to see. Yes, it used to be where you had a mismatch of a guard who could drive the lane and make a move on a big guy and get around him, and now the only person who seems to be able to do that. Uh, is Ethan Happ and Reavers. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, the guy's got to be wide open under the basket to be able to even make Dude, a layup. There was something in the second half where Wisconsin could not hit one-foot bunnies, like right there, yeah. right by the basket. It, it was just a, it was a Mason's convention out there. I mean, Ethan Happ doubling up both uh, Davison and Reavers as your leading scorer. N- nobody else had double digits. Yeah. Well, um, Ethan Happ and his follow trouble, too, which some of those falls were just so... Yes, a nine on it, Ethan Happ. It's, but it's, he didn't play. Like there was a time in the second half, um, where it was there's was a stretch. There's like a six minute stretch when Ethan Happ was sitting on the bench. Eight minutes, something, something in the six eight minute stretch. We're like, okay, I don't care if Ethan Happ is in the game at the end because I don't need his free throws. 
put him in now in these crucial moments when it feels like the game's slipping away. Let him do his thing to you know because when he was not on the floor for a while, the the offense just looked so right inept. And I mean the thing with that is it's a tough place to well, play it, though, right? But still, that shouldn't make it so you look like you're you're back to like when Dick Bennett was coaching and your defense was great, but your offense would go on like eight minute scoring droughts. Yeah, there's there's no reason for that. And I mean we've seen these guys. Be able to make these shots. We've seen them uh, be able to step up and do that. Now, whether it's a Chrysler Arena sightlines are bad for them or whatnot, I don't know. I've never been there, but it's almost inexplicable, and it, it can't be that bad if you're making forty percent from the field. Uh, it, it's not that bad. It's just there's a like you said, there's a portion in there where it's almost like a lid was on the the hoop, and it was just like. Well, that's like what's happening. Yeah. How can you not get this ball? Like, uh, it um it starts looking like a, a YMCA game between third graders where it's just throw it up and see what happens. I mean, it was a good game at the end of the day, though. There's that little dry spell without Ethan Happ on the court. I think kind of doomed him. Yeah. But um, you know, and I want to get to this throughout the show too and throughout the week. I'm gonna I'm I'm trying to do so much investigating. Brad Davison took a clear cut charge. No call whatsoever. I mean, and we've talked like, about he's it. Sitting on the ground. It's never happened. He's sitting on the ground. He's like, "Why can't I get this call?" And all of Twitter is saying, "Like, when it's an obvious charge, but everyone hates you." And there's a picture of Brad Davison like pouting on the floor. Yeah. He didn't get the call. It is clear cut from the NCAA and the refs that they will not call a charge for Brad Davison. Yeah. They won't do it. You, you take it could five be the in most a game. Obvious thing ever. They won't do it. You take five in a game with maybe two of them being questionable. That could have gone either way. And all of a sudden, well, this kid isn't that good. We ever can't since, give him that I'm telling respect. you, ever since the NC State game, when, when Bomani Jones and all those idiots on ESPN yeah. were going out calling calling Brad Davidson not a basketball player and looking like the bunch of fools that they are yeah. on ESPN, bunch of idiots. He's a thug. Apparently a guy who takes charges is sense. a thug. And when you see it, a clear-cut charge, and even the announcers, even people are like, I don't know how that's not a charge. Yeah. The officials are going out of their way not to call a game correctly. At that point, it's mind blowing. At that point, as the head coach, you have to start chirping for your guy. And I don't see guard doing that. And unless he's doing it with his arms crossed and you know, a little under the breath, be like, "Hey, can can we get some help on that?" Like, I I need to see you get in a guy's face, get as red as Bo Ryan used to get to, and get your guy that call. this is the Farm Report with Pam Young. Well, we've got another challenging Wisconsin day on the way. A winter storm warning in effect until midnight tonight for basically anybody that can hear my voice. We could actually see accumulations of 5 to 11 inches of snow by the time we get to this evening. Most of that heavy stuff north and west of Madison. And then the winds are going to kick up, so blowing and drifting is a real possibility. Uh, Bryce Knorr, Commodity Specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, farmfutures.com, is uh, home and safe and joining us live via Skype before 6 o'clock to give us a little bit of an outlook on what's happening in the markets. I'm PM Yankee. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Tuesday. On this date, back in 2002, Verona, Wisconsin athlete Casey Fitzrandolph won a gold medal at the 2002 Salt Lake City Olympic Games. He was in the men's 500-meter skate. He started his career playing ice hockey around the Madison area. Casey Fitzrandolph won gold on this date back in 2002. Also, did you know on this date back in 2000, Charles M. Schultz, that would be the Peanuts cartoonist, 
he passed away back in 2000. All right, let's uh, press on now and talk a little bit about what's happening in agribusiness news. We're kind of grumbling about the weather this morning, but boy, I'll tell you, if you're a Wisconsin potato grower, you've been grumbling about the weather for a while. 2018, considered by most Wisconsin potato growers to be one of the worst they've ever dealt with. Chatted about that yesterday with Tamis Houlihan, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Potato and Vegetable Growers. He's up in Anago. They just wrapped up their industry convention last week in Stevens Point. And Tamis tells me, despite the poor growing season those potato growers faced last year at the state convention, they were keeping a pretty upbeat attitude. Well, surprisingly, the mood was good. I mean, uh, most folks by now have heard that the 2018 Wisconsin potato growing season was one of the most challenging in the history of our state. In fact, in simple terms, it was the worst year we've ever had in terms of, you know, the growing conditions throughout the season. We had a horrific frost that came in October that pretty much wiped out 10% of the crop. And in some cases, it was a much bigger number for an individual grower um, in certain areas. And so in spite of all that, these guys are optimistic. I mean, I was amazed at at the fortitude shown by our growers. Um, It was really refreshing to see so many of them take a glass half full approach as well as, uh, you know, there was nothing we could do about it. So we just have to live to fight another day and they're looking forward to the next growing season. And let's talk about that because uh, despite the fact that we've got snow on the ground, our growers are still managing through the 2018 crop. Talk to me about the challenges and the ultimate quality issues our Wisconsin potato growers specifically are working with right now. Yeah, as I said, it was a a really difficult growing season. Um, We got hit with a two-foot snowfall in the middle of April, which is right when most of our growers are getting ready to plant their potatoes. And so that interrupted the planting season, and it, it stayed wet well into May. And so we were probably two weeks behind planting season in Wisconsin. And then we had a heat wave arrive right around Memorial Day weekend, and temperatures were above 90 degrees for several days, and that heat stunted the crop. I mean, anything that had just emerged emerged had gotten burned off, and so in some cases, growers even had to replant. In other cases, the crop rebounded, but it was still uh, stunted. And then we got more wet weather in June, a couple of very heavy rain events, And that was followed by a drought in July. The whole month of July, we hardly got any rain. And then we had a very hot August, and overnight temperatures would stay in the 60s and 70s, which prevents normal tuber bulking. The potatoes really like cool temperatures at night. And then to top it all off, we got heavy rains in late August. And this wet weather, uh, combined with some high temperatures in the major production areas in September, caused a delay in harvest. So we were way behind in harvest, and then we continued to get rain, and then we got several nights of below freezing temperatures, and this led to a very severe frost event on October 12th, and then another really hard frost on October 19th, and so several thousand acres of potatoes were left in the ground, and there are continuing concerns with how our crop that was harvested will hold up in storage, and it's primarily due to all that rainfall. I mean, we had a lot of wet potatoes. When we finally were able to dig, some of them were too cold. Um, In some cases, growers dug back in September when it was probably too hot, 
And so we really had the gamut of problems with getting this crop out of the ground. And so we're still seeing some issues in storage. And we won't really know until probably late spring how this crop, you know, ultimately does. But um, suffice it to say, it was extremely challenging. We're still fighting through some of the issues. But these growers show, you know, great optimism, great fortitude. They're terrific managers. And so they worked really hard to get a lot of the problem potatoes out of the storages and into the market right away before they had a chance to break down. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was kind of their strategy is anything that looks like it could be a potential problem to store, we're going to ship it now and let folks eat them while they're still good sure. and then keep our best potatoes in storage and hopefully they'll hold up through the spring and even into early summer. Now explain, Tamas, what those farmers are forced to do if those potatoes start to spoil on them in storage. I mean, they are trying to save uh, a meager crop at best. Explain what growers have been doing to try to mitigate the problem on their farm. Well, once they start breaking down, they've got to get them out so it doesn't spread throughout the pile of potatoes. And there are a couple of dehydration companies that will take very bad potatoes. I mean, potatoes that are, you know, 80, 90% rotten, the dehydrators can still take them and turn them into flakes. And I think that's mostly turning into dog food. There's a, a plant in Coloma, and there's one in Plover, and there's one in Wisconsin Rapids. And so the dehydrators have been taking a lot of the problem potatoes and fortunately salvaging a little bit of money for our growers um, by turning it into pet food. Huh, did not know that. Tamas Hulan, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Potato and Vegetable Growers, headquartered up in Anago. Now, that's only a portion of the conversation I had with Tamas. Uh, you'll hear more from him on Wisconsin's potato crop and potato industry coming up next week. It's 542. Celebrating 100 years, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization of people just like you and me who care about keeping agriculture strong. Joining the Farm Bureau can also qualify you for a number of money-saving member benefits that include discounts on insurance, travel, even equipment. Farm Bureau proud for 100 years. Become a member today at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. As the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, Rural Mutual is excited to announce the Rural Mutual Farm Dividend Program. The first of its kind in the state. They know how hard you work, so they want to reward you. Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program rewards farmers for their loyalty and dedication with up to a 5% dividend. And since Rural Mutual only does business in Wisconsin, premiums paid here stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. To learn more about Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program and how you may qualify, please contact a rural agent or visit RuralMutual.com. Bryce Knorr is going to be joining us in just a couple minutes. I think a lot of the attention in the marketplace today and yesterday is on what's happening in China. Remember, they've already re-engaged in some fairly high-level discussions on what's going to happen next between the United States and China. Dave Salmonson is the trade advisor for the American Farm Bureau Federation. He says he's actually not that worried that President Trump is going to carry out his threat to sharply increase tariffs on $200 billion in Chinese goods if they don't reach a deal by March 1st. If it looks like they're making progress and then putting off the tariff increase from 10% to 25% on the Chinese imports is uh, going to help things, then that, uh, you know, that certainly, as was done in December, that could definitely be extended. 
Dave Salmonson, Trade Advisor with the American Farm Bureau Federation. So we'll wait and see. Now, the lower-level officials are in Beijing right now with uh, trade talks underway. Later this week, U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer and Treasury Secretary Munchen are going to join in the discussion. According to uh, Salmonson, he says he believes that nothing's really going to happen until the principals meet, namely President Trump and President Z. He says that's what it's going to take before they get any kind of final agreement or final deal. We'll see if Bryce agrees with that coming up in just a moment. In overnight electronic trade this Tuesday morning, markets are mixed. Right now, December corn's up a penny at three ninety-eight and three quarters. November beans up three and a quarter, currently at nine fifty-two and a quarter. July wheat that's down a penny and three quarters at five twenty-one a bushel. Barrel cheese yesterday gained three cents at one forty and a quarter. Forty-pound block cheese was up three and a quarter at one fifty-six. Double A butter that went down two and a half cents to two twenty-seven a pound. March milk dropped a nickel yesterday to 1464, but April milk was up eight at 1483 a hundredweight. You still have to get to August, though, before we see any fluid milk contracts that broach that $16 mark. All right, we're going to dial them up next. Bryce Knorr, Commodity Specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, farmfutures.com, is joining us live via Skype to give us a preview on today's trade. That's up next. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Whether you are going on a short vacation or consider yourself a snowbird, it is important to prep your home before you leave. Madison Area Crime Stoppers and the Madison Police Department Crime Prevention Unit have 10 safety tips for you. Number one, make sure all of your exterior doors and windows are locked and then double check them all. Number two, make sure someone will shovel your sidewalk. Number three, have someone you trust check on your house every day or every other day. Number four, leave a contact number with a neighbor in case of an emergency. Tip number five, stop your mail and newspapers. Number six, make sure you have lights set on automatic timers and install exterior motion lights if you don't have them. Number seven, encourage a neighbor with more than one vehicle to park their vehicle in your driveway or garage. Number eight, don't mention that you're away on social media sites. Not only does it tell thieves you're away, but it's free information for scammers. Tip number nine, make an inventory list with photos of all your valuables. And tip number 10, make sure to sign up for Madison Police Department's vacation watch service. You can visit at madisonpolice.com for more information. Art doesn't see disabilities. That's because art is truly for everyone, all artists, ages, cultures, and abilities. But for individuals with disabilities, making art transforms not just them as creators, it transforms everyone around them. VSA Wisconsin has been changing lives through art for over 30 years. We provide accessibility and participation in all arts learning that enhance so many aspects of life. For thousands of Wisconsinites with disabilities, from three years old to seniors, we offer participation in music, visual art, creative writing, movement, and drama. What can VSA Wisconsin do for you? Inspire. You'll see at our programs, shows, events, and sales throughout the state. Attend classes and workshops taught by professional artists at the VSA Art Center in Madison. Or visit our gallery and shop and take some inspiration home. Visit us online at vsawis.org to volunteer, donate, to get informed, get involved, and get inspired by art all over again. Filling up every inch of land in the state, except Lambeau Field. That there's consecrated ground. 
It's Pam Yonke and the Wisconsin Farm Report. 548, 27 degrees outside and plenty of snow to keep you busy and entertained this morning. Let's find out what's happening in the marketplace. Bryce Knorr, Commodity Specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, farmfutures.com. Joining us live via Skype, and we've got a lot of ground to cover since last week, Bryce. World Ag Supply Demand Report out, back meeting in Beijing on a face-to-face basis. And production numbers, you say, out from Brazil that are catching the market's attention. Right. The Brazilian Ag Ministry, CONAB, as it's known by the initials, lowered its estimate of both uh, corn and soybean production lower uh, below what USDA reported on Friday. So yet another reduction there. So that brightens U.S. export uh, prospects a little bit uh, for both crops as we start uh, looking towards the summer. That summer market for corn, especially uh, very competitive right now. Two South Korean feed mills put out tenders overnight and uh, buying around 8 million bushels of corn. It looks like uh, right now South American corn could be just a little bit cheaper than U.S. originations uh, once freight is figured in. All right. Let's uh, we can either keep going on that price or go back on World Ag Supply Demand Report. Boy, that ended up being kind of a dud, didn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, the USDA's forecast of uh, corn production was just uh, 3 million bushels uh, off our estimate that we found from our survey. Uh, the soybean crop, uh, about 55 million, 60 million bushels smaller uh, than the agency's last estimate. But uh, some of the gains were negated by weaker demand, particularly for corn feed usage. So as a result, the ending stocks uh, didn't change very much. Uh, the wheat ending stocks went up as expected, and the result was basically markets uh, that, uh, particularly in the case of corn, uh, broke below some key support levels uh, that are a worrisome sign for traders who follow charts. And uh, we need to uh, correct that situation pretty quickly here to keep from doing what we normally do in February, which is kind of making a seasonal low. Ah, well, with that thought in mind, let's focus on what might keep us from a seasonal low this week. We're already back in Beijing having uh, low-level discussions early this week, and then uh, the big dogs kind of coming in later this week. Seems like there's a little mood of optimism about what's going on, and then it sounds like they might have gotten a deal done overnight to keep the government from shutting down. Yeah, the trade talks, uh, the news uh, continues to be one day it's positive, one day it's negative, depending on who the cable news networks are interviewing. Uh, The administration uh, officials involved with this, it's kind of a good cop, bad cop situation. So some of them are negative, some of them are positive. So it kind of depends on who who you're listening to. But it it does seem like both sides want to get a deal done. The Chinese have a lot of incentives because their economy is weakening showing some real troubling signs. Uh, The government shutdown uh, may be averted. Uh, That will be up to President Trump uh, if he signs the deal that uh, the Republicans and Democrats in Congress worked out overnight. Uh, So uh, we'll be holding our breath uh, for that one. Otherwise, we could face another USDA data vacuum. And uh, I might just uh, go on vacation for a month and see what happens. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. If uh, if USDA goes down again, uh, what what other concerns do we have, Bryce, aside from just not any any information at all? Right. And and in fact, this uh, tends to be kind of a dry period in terms of data. Uh, The next big dump comes March 29th when USDA puts out prospective plantings and that uh, will set the table. 
uh, for what happens uh, this spring in the corn and soybean markets uh, particularly. So we do, uh, this is a time of year when we're kind of looking for something uh, to uh, move uh, move markets off the sny, and it's unclear as to what the, that might be. A China trade deal would certainly help, uh, but it's unclear whether or not they can really get anything done uh, in time for that March 1 deadline. Most likely they'll have to kick that can down the road. Hey, speaking of kicking it down the road, we haven't talked about it for a little while. Isn't Brexit supposed to be done by the 1st? Uh, that's uh, March 29th as well is the uh, date that uh, Britain will uh, uh, leave the EU or be kicked out, depending on your uh, point of view, if they can't uh, come up with a modified deal. Right now, it looks like uh, they may try to go with the, the deal that uh, Prime Minister Theresa May uh, negotiated at the end of last year, maybe with a few modifications. But uh, the EU uh, standing pretty firm that it really doesn't want to reopen those negotiations in a significant manner. So that uh, that March 29th date is also the Brexit date. And that could be something the market starts to worry about uh, if it looks like that that could be kind of an uncontrolled uh, exit because there are a lot of questions as uh, uh, just how the whole customs arrangement would be set up. So the market fears chaos, and uh, we've had plenty of it lately. No kidding. So what are you going to kind of keep an eye on then today, Bryce? Well, we're watching weather. Uh, We had uh, had an ice storm here in parts of Chicago overnight, followed by snow. Uh, We've got uh, another system looking like it's going to be moving through a very active storm pattern. Uh, that's causing trouble on the river system, uh, snarling transportation, supporting a basis for farmers uh, who do have some hedges on, need to raise a little cash flow. It uh, doesn't look like we're going to have an early start to field work. Uh, that's what some people are talking about. Uh, the Texas uh, Department of Agriculture uh, did uh, put out a, a weekly crop report yesterday that said uh, farmers are planting corn down in the big uh, bend area of Texas, although they're also uh, still harvesting cotton in other parts of the state. Ah, uh, well, you're always busy. Good enough, my friend. We'll catch up with you on Thursday. Find out uh, what's happening in Beijing and what's happening in our own backyard. Bryce Knorr, commodity specialist, Farm Futures Magazine, farmfutures.com, joins us live via Skype every Tuesday and Thursday to put you ahead of the trade. As always, follow him online, farmfutures.com, as well as through social media channels. So tomorrow, as far as uh, our agribusiness news is concerned, uh, we are going to be catching up with our friends from Compure Financial. Big announcement about patronage dividends. We'll be visiting with Rod Hebrink about that tomorrow morning. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke.